Transmission incoming, over. Copy that, transmission received. Welcome back to Skinwalker Radio. My guest today is MJ Benias. How are you today, sir? Oh, I'm terrific. Thank you very much for having me on your show. This is great. Yeah, I look forward to having this conversation. I've been reading some of your articles, and I know you've written a great deal for Vice and probably some other places too. Uh, Vice News has a lot of awesome human interest pieces, and they write on a lot of, uh, call them fringe topics, that some other news outlets either kind of just real lightly touch or completely gloss over altogether. So it's interesting that you have a voice. So you've written on Skinwalker Ranch and you've written on like UAPs and some of the other kind of interesting things we talk about here. So I wanted to bring you on today just to talk about your opinions and talk about some of the research that you've come across because I think you're pretty well connected. Uh, and you know, you probably do it professionally or at least semi-professionally so you're in a in a position to be on top of the the latest and greatest news so i'm excited to talk about skinwalker ranch and, and some of the other things oh yeah this sounds uh, sounds awesome i i i have done all of those things no um it's been it's been a process but um yeah i'd be happy to answer any questions you have this I, i'm i'm excited for this conversation so I'd like to start off with Skinwalker Ranch because that's kind of how uh, this podcast originated. So I met a gentleman named Chris Bartell. I don't know if you know him or know of him, yeah. um, but he spent a lot of time at the ranch and I had just an interesting conversation with him. And I said, man, there's something here. You know, uh, people would love to hear this conversation and would love to hear ones just like it. So that was the motivation for starting the podcast, which has then branched off to other things such as uh, UAPs and, and that nature. So I would love to see your opinions on Skinwalker Ranch. So can you give us in your own, uh, your own words what you think is going on at Skinwalker Ranch? Um, sure. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's such an interesting... Yeah. Okay. So I want to begin by saying, um, I think our initial kind of exploration of the paranormal, whether it's Skinwalker Ranch or UFOs or, or Bigfoot or whatever, um, I think we always try to go to sort of that, that, that one answer that tries to unify everything into, into sort of, this is what it is, it's X and, and that's it. Um, and I think what we need to kind of start appreciating is that I think everything is a little more nuanced than that, right? There's a lot of detail and there's a lot of uh, nuance within any situation. So we need to be careful, right? So when, when, when we talk about, you know, what do I think is going on at Skinwalker Ranch or what do I think UFOs are? My answer can't be like, well, I think it's X or Y I, because I don't think that's possible. Um, I think there's a lot of things going on at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, some of them are going to be prosaic um, and normal and just stuff that happens everywhere, like in your backyard. Um, and I think there might be some unique things happening at Skinwalker Ranch as well. So um, it's tough to really lump everything in um, into kind of what it is or isn't. Um, I'll say that when I was at Skinwalker Ranch, um, there was definitely a sort of feeling to the place. Um, it has a sort of um, ominous aura to it, 
now that being said, I'm, I'm also sort of a skeptic and a bit of a rationalist and an empiricist. So I don't necessarily believe in auras in, in a sort of paranormal sense, but definitely had that feeling of this is weird. Um, you know, I was often nervous at times roaming through the old homesteads, thinking something would jump out. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, I'm, my, I'm telling myself, you know, it's probably just my psyche, right? I'm probably just experiencing these things because of uh, the mythology that exists um, around the ranch. So, so maybe, you know, it's just my brain playing games with me. But then you talk to individuals who have been to the ranch as well, who have seen things, who have had experiences, who have no reason to make anything up. Um, it has served them no purpose. Um, and you kind of hear their stories. You're like, well, maybe something is going on, something kind of odd and, and paranormal, you know, again, quote unquote paranormal, um, something unnatural or at least something natural that we haven't discovered yet. Um, so yeah, a lot of things I think are happening at Skinwalker Ranch. Um, and, and I couldn't, tell you like one thing or another um but it's definitely a unique place let's put it that way yeah absolutely uh everybody who's ever been there has said that and i've talked to many people who've been there um and a lot of people who haven't been there but have very strong opinions so the question always becomes and you mentioned this perfectly there is no unifying theory but people love to have the one answer that explains everything, including myself. So I would love to say, yes, it's paranormal or yes, it's UFOs or yes, it's all government. But unfortunately that doesn't seem to be the case. It just kind of seems to be a melting pot of a bunch of different things. So the paranormal stuff, um, sure. I take it you're uh, a bit of a skeptic on paranormal. You don't necessarily have a, a dog in that fight per se, from what I can understand. Um, you know what? Listen, I, I, I've referred to myself as, as a romantic skeptic. So I'm, I'm open-minded and willing to accept the possibility that, you know, we don't have a grasp on everything. Um, I don't think we have a grasp on anything, actually. I, I think, you know, as a species where we're still fairly um, at the beginning stages of our um, scientific and technological development, right? We're still kind of monkeys walking around with big sticks. Um, so, so, you know, I'm not going to delude myself and say, you know, science is the answer um, to the answer to everything. Let's put it that way. But I also think, you know, we need to be super cautious. We can't just be so open-minded that, you know, everything falls out um, and we start to believe in claims that, you know, don't necessarily stand sort of the tests of logic and, and reason and, and rationality. So I think we kind of have to walk a middle ground. So I would describe myself as, as, a, as an open-minded or a romantic skeptic. I kind of like existing in the middle ground. Sorry, my cat is yowling. I'm going to kick him out of the room. Yeah, Ask a right. question. I can still hear you. Yeah, no, that's fair. So I'm curious, um, you know, with your background and stuff and you've done a lot of research into this area and you've written a lot of articles and you've been to skinwalker ranch did you see anything that kind of maybe would nudge you more towards the uh believing in the paranormal because uh you know a lot of people go out there and they have these weird experiences and some people actually see things that are kind of unexplainable did you have an experience like that at the ranch no i did not i i am unfortunately i'm one of those very boring people um i i have been dabbling in this world for seven years now um eight if you count sort of my brief stint in like ghost hunting which was uh, um an enjoyable like year of my life um i have never really had a paranormal experience of any sort um 
I would say I've had maybe strange experiences or bizarre experiences, but nothing that I would describe as supernatural things that I could kind of just shrug off and say, you know, that was, you know, probably just some weird event and, and it, it didn't, um, it, it didn't alter my perception of reality, let's say. Um, but I can see why people would have these experiences, right? I can see why people would go to Skinwalker Ranch um, and encounter feelings and, and, and experience things that, um, that, that kind of make them question, let's say, you know, reality, um, at least sort of reality, we we, the way we, we understand reality. Um, the place has, like I said, such a complex mythological system to it one almost wonders if if the myths become real right um is there something about our mythologies that can sort of manifest um into reality and and we see them or experience them in some way um i know in ancient buddhism there is this belief in something called a called a tulpa, which um, is a, a sort of a thought form, right? They, they believed that um, you could get to such a meditative state, uh, you and several others, that you could concentrate on something so hard that you could make it real, right? It would appear in front of you. Um, so there are some sort of ancient texts that exist concerning this, this thing called the tulpa. And if you needed to get, if get, let's say you needed to curse someone or, or have them go away and you didn't want to do it yourself, you could create something that would do the job for you, a sort of monster of, of thought that would then manifest and go out into the world and wreak havoc. Um, I know there's a lot of great writers. Um, Jeffrey Kripal is a particularly excellent um, paranormal writer. He's a prof of religion at Rice University, um, but he definitely dabbles in, in this stuff, in this the sort of the paranormal, um, the more paranormal aspects of religion. Um, he talks about how, you know, monsters are not necessarily physical creatures that exist in the world. Um, so, for example, Bigfoot or werewolves or, or skinwalkers, for example, don't exist kind of out in the woods and they just kind of like go home and they sleep and they poop and they eat food and they poop and then they sleep and then they wake up and they go around and like bump into you. Rather, um, they, they kind of exist in this state of, of non-existence and then they pop into existence, for example. So monsters are kind of always present um, and it's our mythologies and our thoughts and our mm, kind of access to this sort of imaginal realm that brings them out into our reality. They interact with us usually in some short-lived way, like we see them on the side of the road and they run off. Um, but then when they run off, they kind of disappear back into the ether of whatever um, mythological realm they come from, right? So so there's a lot of great writing that's done on this and, and, and a lot of great study that's been done on this kind of stuff. Um, because I think that the big problem we often deal with when it comes to all of these creatures that allegedly exist at Skinwalker Ranch or, or anywhere for that matter, and I think that's a key point, um, paranormal experiences happen everywhere. Skinwalker Ranch, um, in my opinion, is just one place that has paranormal experiences or paranormal events that occur on it. Um, but there are countless places that have paranormal events occurring at your house could have a paranormal event occurring at your backyard could have paranormal events occur in it. Um, so what is it then that's causing these events to occur? Is it the geographical location? Well, you know, I'm not necessarily compelled to believe that because literally you can see a ghost in your backyard or bump into a werewolf in your backyard. Countless people have told stories of UFOs landing in their backyard. So again, you know, what are we, what are we dealing with here? It can't be geography because it's everywhere, right? The paranormal is literally, literally everywhere. 
Um, so it must be something else, right? It can't be biological, right? Because then we'd be shooting Bigfoot and werewolves all the time. We'd find them, hunters would find them and we wouldn't be, like they wouldn't be such, so mysterious, right? If they're just simply biological creatures like you and I are. Um, so either they, they, they come from somewhere else and then they go back to that somewhere else um, or they're completely psychological, right? They're just a figment of our imagination. The inherent problem with that is a lot of people have experiences with these creatures and oftentimes these creatures will leave sort of some sort of physical evidence of their existence, right? Um, you know, you have countless cases of um, people encountering strange, you know, flying objects in their yard and those things leaving physical traces of their existence or in the case of the Tic Tac UFO, for example, or the, the gimbal and the go fast videos that sort of the, the Pentagon, the Navy recently released, you have video footage of these things. You have radar tracks of these things allegedly. Um, werewolves, the Bray Road beast scratched someone's car, right? So you have, you have these, these physical things occurring, but they're also not really physical at the same time. Um, so, you know, again, to really, that was a long answer to your question of have I ever had a paranormal experience? Um, no, <laughs> but um, I think there's, there's maybe reasons for that. Maybe I'm just not um, primed for that. I think maybe some people are. Um, some people are just more open to it. Um, maybe I'm just not, um, or, or maybe it just, it hasn't found me yet, whatever it is. Though I hope it's Mothman. That's the one I want. <laughs> That's the one you want out of all of them, huh? Mm -hmm. All right. I think yeah. I'd probably go for Bigfoot personally, but you know, oh, to be sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's very curious, you know, so I always like to hear people's opinions, especially if they're different than mine. And it kind of sounds like, yeah, you, you aren't primed from that. And uh, I think a lot of people are primed, you know, so I don't sure. know your upbringing. I don't know your, uh, you know, your religious beliefs, if any, uh, but I, I have been kind of doing an unofficial survey of the people I talk to. And there are some differences and the people who have the most amount of experiences at Skinwalker Ranch or in general have a certain amount of priming. Uh, it's just their cultural background and uh -huh. the people who grew up mostly atheist that agnostic, uh, you know, and quote unquote boring like yourself, they don't. So there definitely is something there. And you know, the, the question is always does correlation equal causation or, or not. And uh, that's sure. very difficult to tell. Right. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, I think what, what we don't have enough of is um, data in regards to who has experiences and who doesn't. So I think that would be an interesting research project, right? If you, if you can collect enough um, background information on people who have claimed paranormal experiences, and you'd have to categorize them, obviously, right, um, from like different types of experiences, um, you know, it's really compelling and it'll be really compelling to see whether religious background, value systems, um, you know, place of, of like where they live, um, man, education level, um, economic level, like all that stuff, right? Like what are their patterns, right? This would be a fascinating cultural study to do. I think the inherent problem that you eventually would bump into is, is one, how do you know which one, like which stories are, are factual and which stories are not, right? Who's hoaxing and who's not, because that's always going to be a part of your number, right? You're always going to have a percentage of individuals who are telling fake stories or are delusional, right? It's just the humans have people who make stuff up and are delusional. It's just, it's just 
you're never going to get rid of those aspects within our just the, the human condition but then whatever's left right you know you, you could potentially parse out some data i know there was a study done uh, must have been 20 it was 2007 or 2008 somebody ran a whole bunch of ufo case reports through an ai algorithm um to see if like any patterns would pop up right so you know you suddenly take 20,000 or 30,000 ufo reports and you run them run them through um, like machine learning software, would it find anything? Um, and from what I understood, from from what I read, like the pattern was so all over the place that there was no pattern. Like the computer, like the the algorithm couldn't find any recognizable patterns, and it started to spit out nonsense. Like it was just nonsensical information that that it um, that no relevant data came from it. Um, but again, you know, that was 2010. Maybe just the wrong series of of, of algorithms maybe we, we need to look at it differently um so yeah listen I, I think you're right i think there is some sort of cultural background here that that affects people um but then again right i i, I think you know that that is i think for a lot of people that might be counterintuitive or they wouldn't want to hear that right like they wouldn't want to hear well i'm seeing paranormal things because I had a religious upbringing or I'm seeing paranormal things because I'm from here and not from there. Um, because then what it does, it, it either means that that particular group of people is more susceptible to, let's say like quote unquote magical thinking or um, the paranormal for some reason chooses like, like evangelical Christians from the Southwest, right? Like, and why, <laughs> and then why is the paranormal choosing those people? Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, I, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, it's intriguing. I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I'd have to see numbers though, before I bought into it, but I, I love it. it you, hey, you got a job to do now. <laughs> I'll answer your, answer your questions though. Like I, I, I'm fairly religious. I'm Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. I go to church every Sunday. Um, well, not anymore because of COVID-19, but I used to go to church every Sunday. Um, yeah. So I don't know from a religious standpoint, um, you know, I'm a good Catholic Canadian. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not Catholic, I, I'm Lutheran specifically, but, uh, you know, not that far when you're on the spectrum of, of beliefs, you know, from one end to the other. And I mean, we're basically cousins at, for that point. But um, yeah, you know, everyone I talk to, I kind of catalog their responses. And, and it seems there almost be kind of two different categories from just my rough observation. So you have the religious folks and the religious folks are primed to have paranormal experiences because, uh, you know, honestly, I mean, paranormal is kind of built into the religious system, you know, I mean, there's a lot of paranormal stuff that happens. There just is. Uh, so yeah, we, we kind of have to believe it to some degree. Right. And then there are the atheists and the atheists tend to see, I think more of your, uh, UFO is an aliens type of thing. Uh, and that kind of seems to be that the camp that they're in. Whereas from what I've observed, the Christian evangelical types and even the traditionalist types are more hesitant to believe in UFOs at all. And if they do, they usually associate that with some kind of, uh, deception theory and possibly even a demonic activity. Whereas the atheists see that more as a nuts and bolts phenomenon. Sure. That's interesting because, um, I, I mean, if you look at, um, certain individuals within, um, the more, let's say conspiracy minded, uh, UFO groups. So, um, 
um, like the, you know, the quote unquote disclosure community. So I would say, you know, um, and, and I mean like, like the sub subculture of that, which would be um, sort of the QAnon, exopolitics, you know, guys like um, David Wilcock and Corey Good and, and that crew, um, you know, they, they have this interesting correlation between their UFO kind of structure or, or cultural structure and they tie it into um, Christian, um, ideologies and, and, and structures as well. Right. So you'll have, for example, Corey good on his website saying that he's here to rekindle the Christ consciousness. Um, but he claims that, that, um, Christ taught, um, reincarnation. Um, and he also used to fight on Mars against reptilian aliens and has been age regressed three times. And he's part of a secret space program that he's trademarked. So, um, you have this curious mixing between kind of technological um, advanced aliens who have been kind of warring with, you know, good humans and good aliens um, in a very kind of Marvel-esque kind of Avengers style battle royale. Um, yet at the same breath, sort of this mention of, of um, you know, Western religion um, mixing in there and how, you know, Christ is still the son of God um, and Satan is real. Um, you know, like it's a, such a curious mix of ideologies. Um, and you know, we, we, it's interesting because I, the, my initial reaction is always to kind of chuckle and be like, that sounds like, that sounds crazy. But, you know, at the same time, you know, collectively, I think the two, I think Wilcock and Good alone have something like half a million followers, um, across their social media platform. So, you know, they have a large, they have a, they, like, they're probably larger than the rest of the UFO community alone in followers. Um, so it's a, it's a very compelling kind of situation we're in, right? You, you the UFO world, the UFO culture, the UFO people, right? Um, this kind of large mass of individuals that are kind of chunked up into multiple subcultures um, are, are quite a unique group because we're kind of all over the place, right? Like you said, you have your nuts and bolts, uh, ET kind of from other planets, you have the mystical stuff. Um, and then lumped in with all of it is everything else. Bigfoot, ghosts, poltergeist activity, Mothman. You have everything getting chunked together in all this, right? Skinwalker Ranch is UFO hotspot that also experiences ancient Navajo um, witches, right? Like it's this massive conglomeration of all these different ideas. Um, and it's like, how do you parse through all that? How do you find the truth sort of behind all of those veils, right? Um, it's, it's maddening, but it's also like one of the best mystery novels ever written. Yeah, no, we're watching it unfold in front of our eyes in real time. And it's, it really is incredible uh, to be in 2020 and watching all these things kind of come home together. Uh, whether, you know, it's legitimate or not is, is hard to say, but it is happening at least. Yeah, it is. It is happening. Um, you know, the the big drama with, um, you know, the Pentagon and and the Navy videos and and um, you know the the allegations that that you know a tip was a, a functioning or OSAP and a tip were good functioning UFO programs until you know the Christian right wing fundamentalists got in there and called it demonic and scrapped the program. Um, you know, meanwhile, you have individuals within sort of the same 
organization who believe in aliens from outer space and they're visiting earth and it's like like oh my gosh like <laughs> it's, it's all coming together man like <laughs> all these different kind of belief systems are, are clashing into one place and it seems to be that that kind of the ufo community and maybe sort of the broader i guess you can have say the the a paranormal community is is kind of the war zone that we're that this this is all being waged in right um it, it is fascinating. It is a fascinating collection of ideas um, merging together. And I'm not sure if, if we've ever seen this before quite so dramatically as we have kind of today. Um, so yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it is wild. You know, and uh, <clears throat> it's funny that you say the contrast between, you know, the, the Christians and the, uh, the, the non-Christians who also believe in aliens, <laughs> you know, uh, what's harder to believe in, you know, God or aliens who are basically God, uh, you know, to me, it's, right. it's, it's the same thing. It's just a different side of the same coin. And I like to say that it's all religious, even if it's not mm -hmm. quote unquote, like it is all religious because, you have to have a lot of faith to believe that this narrative about UFOs is is real when we literally have no proof of aliens, right? And uh, that's a stretch for a lot of people, but a lot of people have a religious uh, zealotry to it. And if you attack their idea or even disagree with it, you know, you're essentially a heretic uh, at that point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it, it does become difficult at times to have conversations with people, um, especially if they're approaching it from um, a place of belief, right? Um, if there's a significant vested belief in one theory or hypothesis or another, um, yeah, you really get bogged down in the classic kind of philosophical problem of, of, um, your your you 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 simply can't talk to me anymore because um our beliefs are just too different right it's difficult to have a conversation because we're not willing to see each other's kind of viewpoints um and, and yeah i mean i think i think what does occur is is um this how do you, how do you describe it um it, it does become heretical in a sense if you disagree at times um yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, yeah. To, I'm trying to kind of choose words here. Um, we, we have to appreciate that um, we don't know very much about um, any of this stuff, right? We don't know anything. Like we believe in a lot of things or we have ideas or hypotheses. And I think so long as we approach it from that, from that angle, I think if, so long as we sort of approach the entire question, from a place of, listen, this is my opinion, or this is what I believe, and I'm fine to be wrong. And if you can convince me I'm wrong, great. Like, I'll join your team. Um, you know, I think that that that's a healthy kind of place to be, right? Um, it's when you kind of hit, hedge everything on your belief, you will then start kind of ignoring um, other other pieces of evidence or data that, that contradict your your belief system, right? And it's the typical problem, right? This is the same stuff that, you know, conspiracy theorists and, and, and QAnon people go into and, and, um, you know, the JFK people and the, you know, the truthers about Obama and all that stuff, right? Like if there's, there's so much evidence out there that gets ignored, um, because it doesn't fit into the structure that I've built for myself. Um, I get stuck and I have to, I can only really deal with people who agree with me because, 
I need to be in the echo chamber. Otherwise, um, my entire belief structure gets shattered and that's frightening and scary. And I, I don't want to experience that. No, absolutely. You know, and I think we're all guilty to it because I think that's just human nature. Uh, and yeah. it takes a lot of work to try to stay objective. And it's, it's uncomfortable because you have to actually seek out people who disagree with you. And that's not natural, I will say. No, it, it certainly is not. Um, it, we all like to be right, I think, at times. Um, and, you know, we all, we all suffer from it, for sure. It's just a matter of, of the human condition, I agree. Um, I think kind of standing from the place of, you know, I don't know, you know, quote, quote unquote, I don't know, I think is, is kind of the only sane position one can take at this point in, in regards to a lot of this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> agreed. So have you ever heard of a book called uh, American Cosmic written by Diana Pasolka? Yes, I have. Okay. So that's a really interesting book. I don't, uh, have you, have you read it? I forgot to ask that. Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, we're on the same page. So it's interesting because she approaches the subject as a religious scholar. So she is a professor, professor of religious studies. I think she, uh, she heads the department even. So she's very obviously knowledgeable about what makes a religion. And she kind of boiled it down in a way that blew my mind. So, you know, you, you have a, a religion forming when, you know, something quote unquote miraculous happens. Uh, people observe it, they get together, they talk about it, they kind of come up with their analysis of it, and then basically you have a clergy uh, at that point. Uh, they come up with their acceptable opinions, and you essentially have dogma and, and religion. Uh, and what we're seeing is 100% in front of our eyes is the emergence of a new religion in the UFO community. Now there's different denominations, absolutely. You know, there's the, the nuts and bolts aliens, there's the interdimensional shape-shifting types, there's the, uh, these are 100% demons, but, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, it's a religion unfolding in front of our eyes. And it's interesting to think about it like that, because, you know, I wonder what this will be a hundred years from now. Yeah, I've, I've always asked myself that question, actually, like, what, what will, I think I've written an article about this, um, like, what will ufologists in 70 years from now say about our current um, cases, ideas, you know, what will they kind of look back upon? I mean, you know, it's difficult today as a, as a sort of a modern ufologist, you know, quote unquote, and I don't call, I'm not a ufologist, but like I can imagine if one was a ufologist looking back and, and, you know, you, you would sort of be, be, you'd be forced to deal with the fact that, you know, people in 1947, 1950s and into the early sixties, you know, were firmly believing that the UFOs were coming from Mars and Venus um, the, all the aliens looked very human. Um, they wore kind of these silvery spacesuits like they did on Star Trek. Um, and, and, you know, you had to deal with guys like George Damsky and, and, and King who, who started UFO cults, um, in, in California, you had, um, the guy who built the, um, oh crap, what was his name? Um, he built that thing in the desert, the Integratron or something. I mean, you had all of these ridiculous cases um and and people and players and characters um who who today you look back on and you're like that is so quaint like i can't believe we thought people lived on venus you know what i mean yeah. um and 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 like to the the ufologists of the 1950s this was 
the leading edge. We are at the cusp of something great. Those ufologists would have said, right? Clearly Orthon, who is being channeled by Adamski or whatever, um, or Anshar or whatever the hell his name is, you know, clearly this is something important that we should be listening to. Um, and then, you know, it fizzles out. And then you have these other moments, right? You have the MJ-12 documents in the 1980s as being like, this is it, guys. We finally have UFO disclosure. We finally have the truth. You know, the government has this short list of 12 people who are doing crash recovery in the desert and, and Roswell and all this stuff. And then, you know, it gets proven to be fake. And um, like you have all of these, these moments in ufological history where it's always kind of been you know, today is the day guys, or, 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 you know, like this is the time of disclosure. This is the time where we're finally going to get to the truth. And then it just kind of never happens. Right. And, and you have that happening today, right? You have these three videos, you have to the stars, you have individuals from the government who have come forward. Um, you know, it feels like we are now at the point where we are going to have the truth. Finally, we're going to know what's going on with UFOs. Um, and unfortunately, like if history is any, is any teacher, um, this is going to kind of play out just like George Adamski and the space brothers from Venus, just like um, the Betty Barney Hill thing, just like MJ 12, just like, you know, Serpo, right. It's all going to kind of just play out and, and we're going to be kind of left behind and, and we're going to kind of sit back and, and, and realize that maybe this wasn't it. Um, and then in 70 years, we're going to be all old. Like you and I are going to be these ancient guys. We're going to be in our nineties, even older, probably well, older living in our nursing homes and, and shaking our fists at the new ufologists who don't know what they're doing. They're crazy little <laughs> bastards. And that's what it's going to be. Right. Um, and, and it's like, man, when we, we were, it's a tip and that was it. And, and they're going to be like, Oh man, grandpa, a tip is so old. Let it go, man. Like, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, we, it has this, it, it does have sort of religious overtones of, of history. And, and like you said, sort of this dogma and, and, and doctrine that gets built up. We have 70 years of doctrine that, that we study and research and go over and re like lather, rinse, repeat. Um, and, you know, again, it's difficult to kind of parse out the good bits of information, the interesting bits of information, the compelling bits of information, and, and filter out kind of the rest of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one thing I think we need to study more as, as individuals in sort of the UFO world is our past. I think, I think the history is an important aspect, like where all of our beliefs come from. Why do we, for example, believe it's extraterrestrials or why do we believe it's interdimensional beings or why do we believe it's demons and why, you know, like where did those begin? Because they all, they all had a beginning somewhere. Someone was the first person to say it must be ET. Um, and we can pretty much kind of trace it back. Um, and that's what's stuck. So we, we, we're, we're creatures of, of history and, and we're a product of our history. Um, and as, as Pasalka points out, right, we're, we're definitely a product of the doctrine of the past. And that's what forms kind of the religion of today, I think, that is ufology. No, that's, a, that's an excellent way to put it. And it will be very interesting to see where this goes, especially in light of some of the, the newer stuff that's just come out recently, you know, with the Navy releasing additional UFO videos uh, mm -hmm. of the Tic Tac and, 
and things of that nature. So I'm curious on your opinion on that incident specifically. So I know you've written about that and you probably spent a lot of time researching it. What do you think about the, uh, the Tic Tac UFO? I don't know. Um, no, I, I, I can try and be a little more specific than that. Um, you know, clearly something happened, right? Which, which, you know, the first thing we need to kind of understand and address, and I think the important aspect here that, that again, is the signal and the noise, is the Navy has pointed to three objects and three videos and said, okay, see, these, these objects in these videos, we do not know what they are. Um, so that is incredibly compelling, right? It's not often that a military organization, um, especially from the American side of things, steps out and says, you know, we have an intelligence and security failure here, right? Um, because that's fundamentally what the Tic Tac as well as the, the Gimbal and GoFest videos are, right? They're intelligence failures. They're, they're objects that we don't know what they are. Um, and not only that, they're within American airspace operating incredibly close to our Atlantic and Pacific fleet, um, which in any other circumstance, like whatever those things would have been, would have been shot down immediately. Like it would have been, you're going to get one warning and they're going to blow you out of the damn sky because you're way too close to the aircraft carrier. Um, so that alone is, is compelling to me. Um, it's probably one of the first times it's, you've ever had that like moment occur where you've had someone like responsible for the defense of the realm kind of saying, yeah, I don't know what that is, man. Um, now, you know, the, the next kind of big question becomes and kind of the question everyone wants to know is, well, what is it? Um, you know, unfortunately that's a question we just don't have enough information on, right? We have a lot of, I would say good testimony. Um, we have, you know, the videos, but unfortunately we don't have any other data. So, so I think the videos themselves, just on their own, um, you know, those can be, um, and, you know, Mick West of Metabunk, you know, the, the, everyone's friend, um, has kind of pointed out, listen, the videos on their own can be um, debunked, right? I can say there's something else and here's evidence to kind of prove they might be something else. So the videos don't stand alone. Right? They can't stand on their own, rather. You need all that other testimony. You need all the other witnesses. And, and that's kind of where the important bit is here. What did the pilot see? What did the other personnel see? What did the guy running the radar see? Um, and, and once you take all of that together, right? once you take the pilot reports alongside the radar operator reports, alongside any other witnesses that were present, well, now you're kind of building a better picture of what's going on the inherent problem is we can't reproduce it and we can't, we, we can't extract any kind of empirical evidence from witness testimony. So unfortunately we're still left with a mystery. You know, pilots can make mistakes um, when they see something, right? It might be something else. And, and it's just in the heat of the moment at the time, it looked like something else and it was an error or whatever. Like, again, you can kind of go down all those roads. Um, I'm not saying they made an error. I'm just saying it's possible. Um, so I think at, at most as the UFO community kind of wades into this sort of these three Pentagon Navy videos, um, the most important bit to all of this is simply that it was a security failure on behalf of the Navy in that some object entered American airspace, um, and it could not be shot down. Right. So I think that's kind of the first thing, right? Um, something entered American airspace and 
the best that the U.S. Navy could throw at it, couldn't catch it, and couldn't shoot it down. So that should give everyone pause for concern, right? American airspace is not as secure as everyone would like to think it is. Now, what the source of these things are, again, right, we can only speculate. And you can you, you go down all the roads, right? It's aliens, it's Chinese or Russian tech, it's American black project tech, um, it's something else, it's interdimensional, it's, um, as I once posited, elves riding giant 40-foot Tic Tacs, um, because why not, right? Uh, it could be anything at this point. Um, so we, we need to kind of, I think, hold our horses a little bit on what we think they are because we just don't have those answers. Um, could those answers ever come to light? Sure. If it's the answer that people don't want though, right, what's going to happen? Um, and that's another thing that the kind of history is going to show us, right? In 20 years, the Navy might turn around and say, listen, we've been lying this whole time. We actually knew what they were. They're this vehicle. Here you go. It's no longer a secret. Here she is, the new blah, blah, blah aircraft. Um, and we were testing it and that's what these were. The same way when people pushed the Air Force, what happened at Roswell? They finally spilled the beans, Project Mogul. It was a way to spy on the Russians. We couldn't talk about it then. We can talk about it now. Um, but the UFO community went nuts. The UFO community went, it wasn't a balloon, man. It doesn't matter what you say, it's not a balloon. Um, it's aliens. Well, you know, let's say the Navy does come out and say, well, you know, it's a, it's a fixed wing aircraft or it's a non, it's some sort of, you know, advanced drone we've built or whatever. It's not alien. Sorry, guys. Will the UFO community buy it? They didn't buy Roswell um, and they didn't buy Project Mogul. Um, and the Air Force just kind of came out and told everyone. Like, I mean, so again, right, we have to kind of look at history here. Um, this could be a lot of things. Um, I want it to be aliens more than anything in the world but I'm just not convinced it's going to be. Yeah. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. One of the problems I have is kind of a failure of logic. So the UFO community, the conspiracy community, and all of the, uh, the kind of the alt reality types, uh, we spend so much time criticizing the government for lying to us. And then when they come out and say something, uh, we either have to say it's a lie again, because it's misinformation, or if they come out and say something that we believe to be true, then all of a sudden it's validation. And I have a problem with this because if it's the government lying to us and they can't be trusted, why can they all of a sudden be trusted when they say something we like? And that just doesn't really jive with me. you know. So when the Navy comes out and says, oh, we have a Tic Tac UFO, we have a gimbal, we have a GoFast, here's three more videos, uh, here we go. We have UAPs flying around. And all of a sudden, the UFO community is like, thank you, there's proof, that's validation. But it's the same government that we've railed against for 70 years and have been nothing but critical of. And all of a sudden, we believe. And to me, that's a problem. Because if I'm the government, then I know that to be true as well. And what else can I get people to believe all of a sudden now that I've got them in my camp? Yeah, no, listen, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. Um, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not a very conspiracy minded individual. So, you know, I'm not convinced there's some massive cover up or conspiracy of, 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 you know, a lot of things. Like, I don't think there's some big extraterrestrial conspiracy or anything like that. Um, you know, does the government 
have secrets and does it hide things from the public? Of course it does, right? All the time. That's really like the, the job of counterintelligence agencies. Their literal job is to hide things from us. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, due to national security, you know, a lot of things ought to be hidden um, for a lot of different reasons. You know, like I just mentioned, right, um, when the Air Force came forward and said, yeah, listen, we're going to address your Roswell concern. What crashed at Roswell was an, a, a, the Project Mogul balloon, um, a spy balloon, basically. Um, the UFO community basically did what it, it always does, right? It, it takes that information and it kind of parses it through a bunch of filters. Some people say, oh, there you go, Project Mogul. You know what, actually, that answers my question. I'm good. Roswell was a balloon. Um, and then some other people in the UFO community are like, oh, this is a cover-up. And, and kind of down the line we go. No one in the UFO community bought the Air Force's answer in, I think it was 2004 or something like that, when they told everyone what it was. You know, now we have this, this drive, like you said, to, to believe that the government is, is doing something good here. Um, could this be some sort of play? It could be. Maybe it is some secret aircraft that they don't want to talk about. They don't want anyone to know about. So yeah, let's make it UFOs. Why not? It worked for Roswell. Let people believe it was a crash flying saucer. Meanwhile, the Russians have no idea. We know all about their nuclear missiles and all of their, and their, their atomic testing. Um, you know, so again, if this is some sort of American program, you know, it makes sense for the American government to play fast and loose a little bit and let people believe what they want to believe. Um, the UFO communities and, and the rest of the world actually is the conspiratorial world is perfectly fine to spin its own weird myths and legends to, to really allow a cover up to occur um, without the American government having to actually lie to anybody. And I think that's kind of the key thing. Um, you know, the American government isn't necessarily lying. Um, they don't need to lie. They just simply say, here's video footage of something we don't know. Well, then all of a sudden we're going to make up our own mythologies around it. And we'll, we will do the, our, like we'll do the spin doctoring ourselves so they don't have to. Um, you know, that being said, um, I think that you probably have individuals within the government positions of government who, you know, are really interested in this topic. I've spoken to a lot of individuals who, who are in government and outside of government academics and in the scientific community and whatever, who have said, you know, listen, this is a topic we really are interested in. The problem is we're not allowed to talk about it. We're not allowed because of security. Elsewhere. We're not allowed because we just don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want to lose our pension. We don't want to get fired. We don't want to get demoted. We don't want to get shuffled off to some desk job. Um, we're like in the basement, right? Like what they, but the, the fear of, of, actually treating this with any seriousness still exists, especially within these, um, I think, um, more traditional work environments, the US government, acad academia, um, and even some government contracting is, is still very much kind of a traditional, you don't talk about UFOs because they're career enders. Um, so I think, I think that's part of it as well. I think you might have individuals within the government who want to talk about this stuff, who believe there's some sort of security threat um, and want the public to know. And then you have other individuals within the government and academia and other parts of, of, of sort of this world who, who 
are perfectly fine to let the secret be kept in-house um, and don't want to deal with blowback or don't want to deal with, with um, any kind of in-house information leaving the house. Um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of rumor that there's kind of a, um, a quiet war happening within sort of various circles at the Pentagon um, concerning all of this stuff that's come out. And you have some people within that environment who are trying to kind of keep things under wraps as much as possible because it's a PR nightmare. It's an embarrassment. UFOs are stupid. We shouldn't deal with this. Why, what are we doing talking about UFOs? Um, this is ridiculous. And then you have other individuals within that same world, that same department or those same departments who are saying, actually, no, these are security breaches. The public should know about them. They're, you know, they're making incursions into our airspace. This should be on the front page of, of the newspaper because people have the right to know when their safety is in jeopardy and their government can't um, protect them. And, and they are going to try to get that information out as best they can without breaking any laws, um, without violating their security oaths or their clearances or anything like that. So I think you probably have this kind of tug of war happening within um, all of these kind of offices within the Pentagon, um, mainly the um, office of the secretary, like the undersecretary of defense intelligence and um, the office of naval intelligence. You definitely have some conflict happening there. Um, you know, there's been recent FOIA emails that have come out that kind of show now a lot of the UAP related questioning all goes through one Pentagon spokesperson. And we need to kind of coordinate the messaging between all of our departments so that we don't let anything spill by accident or, you know, we don't, we want to have the same message. So again, you have this stuff kind of coming out that, that clearly something is brewing um, in an attempt, I think, to kind of lock down this information as much as possible. Um, yet have individuals at the same time in those worlds try to kind of leak out little bits as much as they can so that the truth comes out. I, I would say there's, like I said, a little cold or quiet war happening for sure. Um, that's a very long answer to your question. No, I, I agree with you. I, a little bit different spin I have is I, I personally, just in this, my opinion, I think that the Tic Tac UFO, the Gimbal, the Go Fast, I think all of those, if they are real at all, and I'm not convinced they're actually real in a, in a, in a physical sense, uh, I think that if they are real, then they are government. Um, sure. Now you can speculate if it's a DARPA project, you can, some people will say that it's based off alien spacecraft, uh, <laughs> whatever your theory is. I mean, we can go with either one of those, but. I'm not entirely convinced that they're real in the sense that there is an actual craft out there floating around that has been observed and filmed. And the reason I, I have problems with this, it would be one thing if this Tic Tac UFO landed in downtown Los Angeles, right? I mean, you could have 10 million people looking at it, video camera, that'd be one thing. To have it out in the middle of the ocean, well, not even the middle of the ocean, but out there off the coast of San Diego, and you've got a carrier strike group out there and it only appears to the government and the only sources we have are the government and the only video we have is from the government to me that's that's not enough uh there's not enough evidence there uh, independent evidence third-party witnesses to really corroborate all that you know because it's it's convenient in the sense that you have to believe the government 100 percent to believe in the tic-tac uh because if you don't believe in the government well then you can't believe 
uh, in the Tic Tac, right? Because there's no other source besides the government. And then you have to wonder, okay, you know, if it's not real, then why would they go to the trouble of admitting anything about this at all? Well, then you can kind of spin that off. And you mentioned counterintelligence. Well, this is a perfect counterintelligence thing. Uh, you know, if we are worried about emergent tech coming from China or Russia, one of the easiest ways for us to get them to spend trillions of dollars over the next 50 to 75 years is to convince them that there's UFOs and we already know all about them. Uh, so now it's a new arms race, essentially, you know, because uh, they are now raiding the patent office. Uh, the Navy has all kinds of awesome patents out there for stuff that probably doesn't exist. Uh, we know full well that the Chinese and Russians hack, hack that regularly and steal all of our patents, reverse engineer all of our cool stuff, and that's that. So in, in some ways, yeah, you could have a, a total 100% disinformation campaign running, and the UFO community only really helps accelerate that, you know, when they get a hold of this stuff and then go off to the races with their own theories. No, yeah, that's I, I, I agree. I think... Like, like, like I said, right, like there's significant nuance and detail that that exists here. Um, and, and coming to any conclusion right now is impossible. Um, like I said, we fundamentally don't really know really anything. Um, but I agree. I think that there's there's definitely a case to be made. I think it was Brett Tingley who uh, writes for the War Zone. Um, he was um, he wrote an article about the the nemesis project, which was a, a, a naval or air force, it was an air force drone project that can literally, it's um, it's like a handful of drones. It's like a few of them and they can project fake um, infrared signatures out and it can um, spoof a radar system into thinking there's hundreds and hundreds of drones. Um, so, so, you know, you can take a, a small amount of drones and, and for radar targets, they, they look like hundreds. Um, I mean, this is interesting, right? Because, you know, on, according to some of the testimony we've had from people who were on the Princeton at the time, you know, there were hundreds of these radar targets showing up, um, moving back and forth between the sort of Catalina Island, and I think the coast or something. Um, so, you know, again, right, you know, Brett Tingley presents an, a compelling case in his article. Um, you know, maybe it's a, the nemesis drone that, that these guys saw, um, and maybe now there's some other version that it can, you know, it has a physical appearance. So can, it can literally project almost like a, a holographic image so that, you know, as a pilot, I can see it. Um, you know, who knows, right? Like it, this, this is technology today is, is moving. And like you said, emerge, it's emerging, right? It's moving so quickly. Um, it could be, it could literally be a million things. Um, so like, like I agree, I'm not convinced that the, 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 the tic-tac or the gimbal and go fast objects are otherworldly. I'm not convinced of that either. Um, I, I just, frankly, I have no clue. Um, and I think anyone who kind of turns around and says, listen, I know what it is. I know 100% what it is. It's alien or it's X or Y or Z. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting their source of, of confirmation now from, from a place of belief or, or their opinion and not necessarily from direct knowledge and, and evidence and, and data. No, that's 100% true, you know, so it's, it's important to have these kind of conversations and throw these ideas out there, you know, because every time we do that and, and hear something that maybe we don't necessarily believe or, or maybe that's a little bit different, uh, you know, it, it strengthens what we do believe, you know, 
Because uh, mm-hmm. what good is your belief if it's untested, right? So if if you're a if you're an atheist and you've never had a conversation uh, about the Bible with a Christian, well then you know maybe you should think about it, and vice versa. You know, if you're a Christian and you have zero atheist friends, well go out and make a couple. You know, uh, if, if this thing mm-hmm. that you if this thing that you believe is is that powerful and, and is that good and is that true, well then you need to kind of test it in the real world. And and that's what I like to do here on the show is bring people on. They just have a lot of interesting ideas. Well, listen, thank you very much for having me on your show. It was uh, was an enjoyable conversation. I really had a good time. No, thank you for coming. You know, I really appreciate it. I appreciate your articles. I, I like your point of view and I look forward to reading more. So if people want to get in touch with you or find out about uh, your articles, where do you want to send them? Sure. Um, the best place to sort of stay on top of all of my work together, um, you can just go to my website. It's mjbenias.com. Um, all of my writing shows up there. Um, but, um, you know, if you want to go to the source, um, I've written and I write for Popular Mechanics. I write for Vice. Um, I wrote a book called The UFO People, A Curious Culture. You can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere books are sold. Um Follow me on Twitter at MJ Benias. That's probably the best way to to kind of see my daily thoughts on life. Um, but like I said, if anyone wants to send me a message, you can contact me through my website, mjbenias.com. Uh, or really, social media is great. Um, I love hearing people's stories. I love people hearing people's experiences. Um, it's, it's sort of what I really love to read and look at. So um, yeah, reach out. That's where to do it. Um, and, and thanks very much. Yep. Thank you. We'll do it again sometime. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Patriot Media Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, and consider being a donor. If you donate to the show, it helps me grow the podcast to reach more people just like you. And also, I will give 10% of each donation back to homeless veterans. Thanks for listening.